0: Okay, people. July 30th, 2023. Welcome to Spin. I'm Calvin Up, and back by Popular Demand.
1: I'm Hannah Spearer, and it's great to be back riding shotgun with you, Calvin.
0: Yes, great to have you back. Rather than leave me abandoned into the digital airwaves or by my lonesome,
1: well, you know, I had to come back at some point, but of course I have been uh, doing the most important job at Mama Judy's, looking after our baby Storm, who will now on Monday uh, be four months old. And I just wanted to make the point, Kelvin, because uh, some of you actually were asking, has he been vaccinated? Has he had his vitamin K shot? And I just want to let you guys know that, um, in fact, no, he hasn't. He's had no vaccines. And I thought it would be pertinent to play this little clip by Dr. Sherry Tempany, just in case any of you were wondering why
2: i've heard dr uh, i'm sorry uh, robert f Kennedy jr say he's not necessarily against vaccines he's just against unsafe vaccines he just never found a safe one so you're saying your work is you just think they're all suspect. I do, and I think that's a pretty good way to saying it. Wouldn't it be great if we could take out all of the metals, all the chemicals? You know, for years, when I was a board-certified emergency medicine physician working in the ER, I really thought that the only thing in a vaccine was a little dead or attenuated virus and a little bit of normal saline. It wasn't until September of 2000 that I actually read a package insert. And when I actually read a package insert and started re- and researching all the different vaccines, I was mortified that if a child gets all of the vaccines in the entire schedule they get almost 13,000 micrograms of aluminum and they get almost 600 micrograms of mercury plus over 200 different chemicals and I had no idea so that's why they've never been proven to be safe and why giving your child a vaccination is like injecting foreign matter into a little baby that's the most precious little thing in your life
1: so as a new mum, until they can guarantee me that the vaccines are in fact safe and are free from all these uh, heavy metals and chemicals, then uh, that's how my little boy will be staying. So uh, I guess by definition, I'm an anti-vaxxer and I'm happy to wear that label and uh, wear it with pride because at the moment, you don't know what you're putting into baby your baby's body when um, they get jabbed. So, Calvin, what's on the show today?
0: Well, for the record, I'm 100% back in it all the way. Uh, in this episode, 94... Scott Ritter, Dysix Zelensky.
1: And that is, of course, uh, with reference to his latest two-part documentary, which is called Agent Zelensky. It's a must-watch for all of you out there wanting to get a different perspective that, of course, you will not find in the mainstream. And speaking of mainstream, Kelvin, of course, uh, Tova O'Brien here in New Zealand is one of our leading political reporters in the fake news political hacks. Sp- um, sphere. With and, them uh, them yeah, she actually so went over so to uh, the story. Ukraine and got her interview they with Zelensky. Like. How are you? Oh.
2: Oh,
1: yeah, and of course he's been paraded around as this big star kind of in a similar way that uh, Adern was and um, everybody's falling for it so it's great that we've got someone on with a different perspective
0: yeah, complete and utter rubbish, that's all they've put out in fact, this information project should be going after them anyway, moving right along uh, CSM Chemist for Media writers they are second to none they prompt a lot of discussion they put out a lot of uh, thought-provoking articles you can find them on Substack You can also find them on counterspin.com.
1: Yeah, they are great. Uh, Such a range of topics that they're constantly um, putting out there. Of course, also we should bring up our merchandise. We uh, still have these cups in stock. So if you'd like to get your hands on one of those or a pack of four, uh, please email merch at counterspinmedia.com. And if you'd like to uh, maybe even grab a whole bunch of 36 and you've got people in your community that you can um, give them to if they want to make a contribution to this war effort that is counterspin, uh, And that's also much appreciated. And if you still want to grab the last of our merchandise in regards to T-shirts, then please also email merch at counterspinmedia.com.
0: Absolutely. Now, keep it locked here because we'll be back with Scott Ritter, Ritter right after this.
3: Good afternoon. My name is Scott Ritter. Allow me to introduce myself for those who don't know me. I'm a former United States Marine Corps intelligence officer. I participated in Operation Desert Storm and served as the chief weapons inspector for the United Nations in Iraq. My main interests are international relations and armed conflicts in different parts of the world. I am convinced that we all should know a little more about a person who, to the applause of those I call the global elite, is ready to fight to the last Ukrainian, President Volodymyr Zelensky. Mr. President, There have been numerous publications about you, but everything seems to disappear from the web. Your image is carefully managed, and not without reason. You immediately understood why I named my film Agent Zelensky, didn't you? Let's begin.
1: And that, of course, is the introduction to part one of Agent Zelensky, and we are so uh, thrilled to be joined by Scott Ritter, who narrates that documentary. And, um, you know, with such great credentials, his courage to tell the truth, um, it's no surprise that, that, those two films, they part one and part two, have now been pulled uh, within the last 24 hours from YouTube. They are, of course, still available on Rumble. Um, and, you know, this man has gone through all sorts of shenanigans. You know, he's been uh, had slanderous attacks against him by the deep state. Um, and, you know, it's no surprise that information is getting falsified about him. Of course, don't go to Wikipedia if you want to know the truth. Um But, you know, we are just so glad to have him here. Uh, He's just a man of truth and courage. So welcome to the show, Scott.
3: Yeah, welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's an honour and a privilege to be here.
1: Yeah, we're so lucky to have you. Um, Firstly, I just want to congratulate you on an amazing uh, documentary, part one and part two. They are really a must-watch. Agent Zelensky. And uh, while researching this film, I was actually pleasantly surprised because I thought it was such high production value, and I, and it was just amazing. And I looked, uh, and of course, the director who you've got in there is now. I don't. Ho- hopefully, I don't um, butcher his name too much. But Ego Lapatonic Tonok, um, right? Yeah. And. He, of course, is also the director of Ukraine on Fire, which uh, the executive producer was Oliver Stone, and he also narrated that film. And if you haven't gone and seen that, um, it's really, really a great watch to give you that context. So maybe can we just start with, um, yeah, do you want to give us a bit of context about your recent film and then how that kind of carries on from that um, Oliver Stone, Ukraine on Fire?
3: Well, I've uh, I've interviewed um, Igor, Um uh, and, and, you know, we've, we've interacted, exchanged, um, uh, you know, emails and such. I, I think we're, we're on the same page, so to speak, in terms of our, um, our, our outlook on this. Uh, I have been critical of, um, Volodymyr Zelensky, um, for some time now. Uh, I'm, I, 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 think that, uh, Ukraine's on the wrong side of history in this conflict, uh, that, um. It's it's tragic the way they've allowed themselves to be used by uh, by Russia and such. Here in the United States, and I imagine it might be similar in New Zealand, um, the government has uh, embraced sort of the the mythology of Zelensky. He's been turned into this uh, Winston Churchill-like uh, character. You know, this heroic figure. Um, <laughs> he's being called the uh, you know the, the the sort of the living embodiment of democracy and democratic values that we need to support this war because uh, the ukrainians are fighting for us fighting for our values and such um it is such a departure from the fact-based truth i mean the uh the the, the fact is um Zelensky is nothing uh, uh you know anywhere close to what he's been um described as uh, that is not a sin i mean none of us are uh perfect. Every politician has a spin machine uh, out there spinning crazily to try and turn them into something that's positive. But when you're going to take 150 plus billion dollars of American taxpayer money and um, divert it away from the nation, a nation in need, by the way, I mean, the United States, I love it dearly. It's my country. Uh, I've I've fought for it and I would fight for it again. Uh, But you know, one one aspect of uh, love is to, is honesty and integrity. And you have to, you know, as an American, I have to take a look at uh, what, what's going on in, in my country today and recognize that uh, we have some serious issues that need to be addressed. And uh, a lot of these issues aren't being addressed because of a so-called lack of funding. Uh, Congress isn't allocating the resources. And so if, if Congress is going to divert $150 plus billion to the Ukrainian cause, I I think it's imperative that they at least be honest with the American people about what we're supporting. Not not to wrap it in this um uh, the, the mythology of Zelensky. And so when I was um I, w- I was called by an independent production company um and they said uh would you be interested in working with us on a um on a documentary about uh, Zelensky? I said well it, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> What are you trying to say? Who's going to say it? You know, how is this thing going to happen? Um, and we, we we went back and forth. We talked about it. Uh, and then when we agreed that in theory, such a movie would be um, or a documentary would be doable, then we talked about how it would be done, uh, who we would invite to talk to, et cetera. Um, at first, I thought that my role was simply going to be to advise on the script um, and maybe be one of the talking heads. And about um, halfway through our, our discussions, they came up and they said, um, we'd like you to be the host. And I said, you know, I just don't do that. That's not what I do. I, I'm I'm not I'm not bad. I'm not a talking head. I uh, I don't. And they said, well, you will be a talking head if you're the host. But the script is, you know, it's not as though we're going to put something in front of you that you had nothing to do with. Uh, you're going to be part of the team that, that works on this. So, we, we spent some time, um, you know, knocking out the script, talking about who we're going to interview, what questions would be asked. And, uh, and then the day came where I uh, put on my suit, sat down in front of a camera and um, and read from the teleprompter. And um, I think you talked before we came on about the magic that your, uh, your technical team does in post-production, you know, to make things work. Um, I have to tell you that um, the production team that supports, uh, that did this film was top-notch the the production values the, the quality um yeah. you know I, I knew the script was going to be good i knew the message was going to be good but the way they put it all together they they actually did a, a, a fantastic job and i just want to make sure they get credit for that um i i have done a documentary film in the past in shifting sands about uh, iraq and weapons of mass destruction and i when, when I talk about that movie, I take ownership of every aspect of it because I was a director-producer. I was into film editing. I played a, a role in every part of that. This I didn't. This was more by phone, by by email. Um, and so I need to give credit where credit's due. The uh, the producers here, the technicians, they uh, they made this the professional um, film that it is. I, I'd like to believe that I played a role. I, I, I helped shape the script. I helped... Um, you know define the, the the parameters of the movie but um the production team deserves all the credit in the world for for this and it's a it's a darn shame that youtube took it down because you know I, I think history will show um that this film not only was accurate in its depiction of Zelensky, but it was timely yeah. uh, this is the moment we should be having this discussion and to remove the film from a venue like youtube is uh, is denying people the opportunity to engage in a meaningful fashion on a on an important issue
0: yeah I think it's a fantastic um uh two-part documentary that I think is required watching for everyone in fact um people should go to rumble seek it out watch it and share it with your friends because it is a good historical account of what's transpired since then so in New Zealand we have like you said before uh our media follows the parents the government line during the COVID scandemic of course We had the uh, government propping up these uh, mainstream media organizations so they could continue. And part of the funding was you do what we say, you push what we say, and uh, we'll let you carry on. Uh, One of them was, of course, um, in the lead up to this Ukrainian mess. Now, here we have newsroom because every now and then a, a slither, a nugget of truth will pop out. Um, whether it's deliberate because someone within the organization is fed up, just like you get whistleblowers, or uh there was an error when they come through the you know, the type this one's meant to be put in the bin and this official narrative's meant to go out. <laughs> made a they, <laughs> they chose the wrong one and it got printed <laughs> now. So on the Radio New Zealand website, uh it talked about the 2014 coup d'etat in um the Ukraine and then how things went forward from there to get where we are now. The government, of course, tried to shut that down fast. And we do say government because Radio New Zealand is 50%. Oh, it's 100% owned by government. 50%, of course, uh, in the hands of the finance minister and 50% minister of broadcasting. So it's a state fund. It is a state apparatus. Well, geez, did they, did did their heads blow up? They um, took it down immediately. They apologized for the missing disinformation, they called it. Um, And I bet you know all about that um
1: the sub editor was heavily under investigation
0: and and they promised an investigation they would get to the bottom of it all because someone dared to tell the truth all of a sudden it was missing missing disinformation it's like counter spin media and over two years we've been going we have not been proven wrong once but they continue to attack us as missing disinformation we challenge them to come on and show us where we're in error they never do because they can't but most of the population out there do you find that they for some reason, there's a there's a large part of the population we just can't reach because they seem to gorge themselves six o'clock every night, mainstream media, and they just get programmed over and over and over. And like they say, a lie can get halfway around the world before the truth gets out of bed. So um, we're sort of chasing our tails. What's your take on the media influence? Because to me, that's that's a potent weapon that the deep state has in order to keep this narrative well, and And of course, going.
1: we should mention at this point that, um, that Zelensky was... As an actor, and yeah. of course, your documentary starts with that whole premise that he's a, you know, he played that role in Servant of the People, and that was right before he got elected. So that was basically his election campaign. Yeah,
3: well, I mean, absolutely, it, it was about shaping the. Uh, my, I mean, I, I in 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 the documentary, we go even further to suggest that the uh, that Servant of the People wasn't an innocent uh, a television series; it was a deliberate um, pre-programming of the Ukrainian uh, population. Um, to put Zelensky in the uh, in the you know in the minds of the Ukrainian people um, as a as a presidential figure, even though he was sort of a pornographic comedian prior to that. Um, you know, in the United States, you know, when I when I grew up um, in, in in college, uh, I was told by my uh, professors that uh, to subscribe to the New York Times and the Washington Post, and that uh, in my any papers I wrote, I could cite either one of those papers. Any article that was in there could be cited as a a primary source, as you know, totally reliant. uh, Do it, Um, and I would do that. And because I was told that this was credible, I was told that the Washington Post—if it was in the Washington Post, it had to be the truth. It was in the New York Times; it had to be the truth. Um, And and one of the reasons why I bought into it is that I was uh, young, naive. Um, I I I believed uh, that there was no reason for the government or, uh, or, the, or, or the newspapers to lie to me. Uh, it wasn't actually until, uh, well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I learned the, the hard way. I, um, I, 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 became, I joined the Marine Corps and I, I became a uh, weapons inspector in the former Soviet Union. And um, so I was involved in um, events uh, behind the scenes that pertained to disarmament. There were people that didn't want disarmament to work. And so there were things that I was personally involved in. I would suddenly read about in the newspaper, and I'm going, "Well, wait a minute, that's not the truth." Uh, but it's being presented as if it's, um, you know, fact, government truth, and I, I'm like, "That's that's not what happened." And then yeah. I learned the yeah. whole story about leakers and people trying to, you know, shape the narrative to inform the people for political purpose. And it was, uh, it was a little disconcerting. Then when the war came, uh, the Gulf War, I was in Saudi Arabia, and I watched uh, as we shaped the narrative about the success of the Patriot missile. We didn't shoot down a single Scud missile uh, during that conflict, but we were the American public was being told day after day about the great success. And I was personally involved in the hunt for Iraqi Scud missiles, and uh, we didn't kill a single one, but we're being told that you know they're dying, we're killing, everything's great. It was all lie, and I was there watching them package the lie and sell the lies. And then, when I became a weapons inspector with the United Nations, again the same thing occurred. I, I would attend a Security Council meeting, in which they're discussing an issue that is about me uh, that I've been involved in uh, totally. There's not a single aspect of it that I don't know about, and uh, I would watch in the meeting as the American representative would leave early, um, and then I would read in the newspaper uh, the next morning, New York Times a story about this meeting about the subject and it had nothing to do with the truth it was it was a shape so i i've come to realize that the media's job isn't to report facts the media's job is to parrot what government tells them that there's a hand in glove relationship between the media and government and it's gotten even worse now in this age of um, of you know 24 hour news cycles cable news network uh, you know, you, you, you used to have yeah. at least some time for a story to breathe. But now, literally, if you don't, if you're not the first one out with a story on the top of the hour, uh, you lose all the clicks, you lose all the likes, you lose the. And so everybody's rushing to get a headline, which means everybody's addicted to the source they have in Washington, D.C. that feeds them headlines. Right. And this is the reality. It's not about truth. It's about perception. It's about shaping perception. And um, it's a it's a horrific problem here in the United States because you can trust literally you you, you can't trust any mainstream media outlet. You don't you can't assume they're telling the truth. In fact, based upon their track record, you have to assume that they're they're telling you a lie. I mean, it's it's terrible.
0: You know, I 100 percent agree with you. In fact, we know that only too well here in New Zealand. We have the same thing. And you notice as well, you've got the same thing in the U.S. as every other Western uh nation you have what they call disinformation projects where they go after people um who are telling the truth uh, they call them disinformation and misinformation merchants uh spreading hate and propaganda and and all those types of things and they have a list usually of about a dozen we are happy to say that we should get an award because we made that list of 12 over here in new zealand and are quite happy to do so to be honest with you. that as a badge of honor um there's a whole lot <laughs> that. Over here, we have not only media pushing the narrative, but, of course, they're being fed uh, by the intelligence agencies. In fact, most intelligence agencies, I believe, in the Western world, have gone rogue. They look, seem like private um, armies unto themselves. Most of them do off-the-books work, and we know that, like for example, in Afghanistan, um, the Taliban were getting rid of a lot of the poppy fields. CIA goes in. Uh, secures the poppy fields within two years, two thousand percent increase in production. Because, of course, that funds their black bag projects and that, and put in the Cayman Islands. So, anyone out there want to know where to bank, where well, you're not going to get cancelled? Find out where the CIA are banking. Trust me, they won't go in there and clear those countries out at all because it would get them to
1: so maybe this is a good point uh, to just play um, a first clip from your film yeah. uh, because, of course, you make that very point that uh, Zelensky is you know, heavily influenced by MI6 um, and intelligence agencies. So this clip that we'd like to show is it's the part where um, you're referencing Richard Moore, um, head of the MI6, and of course, uh, shows Zelensky going to see the Pope and how that is all just classical.
4: We had a meeting at the Mi-6 office. Unfortunately, I can't disclose all the information. It's a matter of state affairs.
3: Autumn 2020. Ukrainian media accidentally, or maybe not, learned about Zelensky's secret meeting with Richard Moore, the head of Mi-6. Not just anywhere, but at the headquarters of British intelligence service. According to the president, The meeting was about protecting Ukraine's sovereignty. Everyone understands. The MI6 office gave the president of Ukraine a precise directive. The thing is, after the Maidan in 2014, there are quite a lot of Ukrainian opposition media. Obviously, they were preventing the creation of an image of Russia as an enemy to Western countries. It was decided to end the dissenters with Zelensky's hands. And to prevent the president from getting bored and to help him practice English, he was surrounded by British security. This was in the spring of 2022, in the midst of war. Bucha. look at these scenes. Do you see a patch on the sleeve of one of the guys near Zelensky?
4: Oh, the
3: Ukrainian flag is upside down. A local would have been shot on the spot for this. But this guy is okay. Do you know why? Because he has the right to. He is a foreigner, like everyone else around Zelensky. In fact, judging by the pronunciation, they're British.
4: As we can see, Zelensky's security team consists of Brits. Quite marvelous, because we have the so-called Ninth Administration, the President's security, with 1,800 professional military guys, special forces, and combat swimmers.
3: Well, not surprising. Firstly, UK intelligence services most likely helped Zelensky with the theatrical staging in Bucha. Secondly, the British follow every step of their agent, even during the meeting with the Pope. Oh, this episode deserves special attention. It seemed to me like a meeting between a priest and a devil. Judge for yourselves. Zelensky went to the Vatican in a black sweatshirt with the emblem of the UNO, Ukrainian Nationalist Organization. He gave the Pope an icon with a black silhouette instead of Christ, which is outright Satanism, according to church canons, He plopped into a chair before the host. For those unaware, this is a gross violation of etiquette, and he didn't pay much attention to Pope Francis's peaceful initiatives. Italians considered that rude. I'm sure this whole comedy was a distraction. The central communication of Zelensky took place, not in the Pope's office, but in the next room, without the involvement of Pope Francis, but with the participation, of the Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Holy See, Archbishop Paul Richard Gallagher, a native Brit whose cardinals are conducting powerful propaganda in Ukraine. The Ukrainian president spoke with Gallagher for almost an hour and a half, but the main detail is that the head of MI6, Richard Moore, was also present at the meeting in the Vatican. Maybe this fact explains the record-breaking motorcade of the leader of independent Ukraine, over 20 cars interesting clip
1: yeah so can you just elaborate a little bit on that whole thing and how how is it that Zelensky got to sit down before the pope for example
3: <laughs> well these things don't happen uh, out of nowhere um I, I i am not catholic so i i am not somebody who has sought an audience with the pope but i know um i know catholics in america i know catholics in ireland uh who uh, are desperate to be able to meet with the pope it, it would be the highlight of their life to get a blessing from the pope etc um Zelensky is not a um a, a very religious uh, man um but uh, he he needed a meeting with richard moore um and the it would be too obvious if he flew to London and went to um, you know the MI six headquarters right there on the Thames. <laughs> uh, so this this meeting with the Pope was cooked up. It was a cover. Um, it, it gave him uh, a chance to fly to Italy under under uh, you know a, a a false pretense, and then to have his meeting with uh, with with Moore, uh, where you know they. Um, Taskings are given. Uh, th- this is why the the document is called Agent Zelensky. It's uh, the, the fact of the matter is Zelensky is uh, an MI6 asset. He uh, he is responsive to MI6. Um, he uh, you know does their bidding. Um, when you take a look at the decisions that are being made uh, about this war, about the conflict, they're not being done in the interest of Ukraine. They're not being done in the interest of the Ukrainian people. They're being done in the interests of NATO, the collective West of the United Kingdom of MI6. So I think that the uh, the meeting with the Pope slash uh, Richard Moore is uh, one of the more illuminating uh, examples of this.
0: Yeah, and you made reference yeah. as well to um, the drugs that you could tell Zelensky was basically on drugs. Did you know that over here there is um, more than speculation that our former prime minister, who's now... Trotting around the world doing the Christchurch call after the uh, Ides of March, uh, March fifteenth, two thousand nineteen, uh, Muslim shootings here where they apparently fifty one died. Um, she too was controlled that way, and her partner Clark Gayford, fiance, with they're married now. Who knows? Um, was caught up in a big drug bust, and of course everything as usual when their assets get uh, pushed away, like Hunter Biden at the moment, of course, with all his um his things in the sweet plea deals they're trying to do, that I must instantly say that a judge just turned down and said, I can't exactly rub a stamp this So that's going to be interesting as that folds out.
1: All right, just a minute, Kelvin, because we actually have a clip for that. And that is, of oh, course, yes. um, as you were saying, you know, Zelensky on, on the uh, the old, well, sniffing his nose and are doing, doing the same. So let's play that clip and we'll come back and uh, get Scott's thoughts.
3: But who cares about the truth when everyone is watching the tragic comedy starring Zelensky? The first thing his PR team did after February 24, 2022, was a new image, the military style, as if the president had just returned from the front lines. The unshaven look, and the sunken face due to sleepless nights of hard work. However, narcologists would argue all the signs of cocaine abuse are evident constant nose sniffing, an inappropriate reaction. Speech is solely from the prompter. But British specialists took precautions. They even created a hologram of the Ukrainian president.
4: All of these
0: technological possibilities can change public life.
3: This addiction can be explained. It is quite common in the acting industry from where Zelensky comes from. Unfortunately for the country, the Ukrainian president not only didn't quit, but apparently let himself go. It all began with weed.
4: Medical marijuana, in my opinion, is normal. It is sold in small quantities, droplets.
3: In 2020, Zelensky proposed legalizing cannabis in the country. At that time, his suggestion didn't go any further. However, everything changed when the war began. It's no secret that Ukrainian soldiers get stoned before going into battle. And weed is the least harmful substance they consume on the front lines, though well, they have someone to look up to in that regard. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is very pleasing to American and British intelligence agencies. It would be a sin not to take advantage of a drug-indicted president for their own purposes. He is completely manageable. I suppose that Western handlers supply him with the purest drugs. It brings to mind the opium wars when England, in order to advance its interests, addicted almost the entire Chinese elite to drugs. I cannot speak for all of Zelensky's inner circle, but he himself alone was enough to accomplish what would never work with a sober person. You know, I'm not somebody, I I have to be honest, when uh, when they first... uh, when we talked about putting this in the script, I, I didn't want to bring it up because I I just don't like picking on human frailty. Um, but you got to call it what it is. And when, it's, when the When the shoe fits, as they say. Pardon? When the shoe
1: fits, wear it.
3: Well, yeah. It, but, you know, it's not as though Zelensky an innocent party, party to this. I mean, he is the president of Ukraine. He is the man who is be allowing himself to be used uh in this fashion so it becomes a, a a fair story and then you and then once you go down that route you have to be honest about it you have to you have to call a spade a spade you have to say this is this is what's going on and i think it's clear to everybody that he has a drug problem um, that he is uh, addicted to a a substance um or substances and then we we need to put it into a historical context um, and, and that's where China and the opium wars becomes uh, very relevant to this. Uh, when we talk about how, you know, the British empire used opium to not only uh, control individuals, but to control a nation, to shape events. Um, here we have a, a situation where clearly uh, one man's drug addiction is being used to, um, to, sh- to sh- shape global events. Um, it, it might seem, you know, hard for some people to understand, but... Um, you know, you know how they, there's that old saying, uh, you know, if a butterfly flaps its wings in Africa, you know, where there's an earthquake. And China. Yeah. When Zelensky sniffs a line of cocaine in Kiev, there's uh, there's ramifications globally and uh, it has to be discussed. And that's why it was put into the film,
0: especially with so many lives at stake, too, and getting slaughtered that that to me. Um, I agree. You need to call them out straight away. I mean, these people are responsible for pushing buttons, for, for ordering people to their deaths. I mean, it, it's, and if you've got a druggie who's having a bad trip, that's not going to turn out too well for people on the ground. That's for sure.
1: It's definitely a way of controlling them.
0: But how many other world leaders do you think? Because uh, I know over here we have the uh, CCP, Chinese Communist Party. They are deeply embedded in New Zealand, and that's why we had the p- trouble with Five Eyes last time. We're part of the Five Eyes Network, as you know. Um, but they seem to have access to everything. Our academia, our, academia, our science and research, um, the, our political structure, you name it, they are everywhere. Um, and they do influence peddling operations where they bribe, coerce, um, blackmail uh, their way around the country, um, uh, a Chinese uh, group that was heading to Wellington to give testimony just happened to have an accident where one of them dies, of course, uh, a bit of wet work dying on, and then all of a sudden that goes quiet. How much of this do you see happening around the world with all sorts of world leaders, especially the ones connected to the World Economic Forum?
3: Well, I can't speak to the World Economic Forum, and, um, and, and, and particularly what I can say is that the um, – the CIA and the FBI both um, excel at exploiting human frailty. Um, you know, it's the, 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 in the human intelligence business. Uh, both in the, and both of them participate in this. Your job is to take control of people. Uh, what they don't like is, is the idea of somebody willingly working with them. They, they hate that idea. They don't want somebody sitting down saying, hey, I, I believe in what you're doing. I'd like to work with you as a partnership, um, you know, where let's work together to uh, mutually acceptable things. They don't like that because they're not in control. They don't believe in partnerships. They believe in, in being in absolute control of everything. So even if you work with them as a partner, they will be seeking to find a way to take control of you. And they're looking for your weaknesses, uh, whether you are somebody in, in need of money um, or you're somebody who needs their ego stroked, you're somebody who's a womanizer and they've caught you in that way, or you're a homosexual and they caught you that way, or you're a drug user and they caught you that way. They find your your frailties and then they use that to to uh, to control you, to manipulate you. Um, you know, and, and, and therefore, you know, these people that uh, are out there and, and you know, fortunately, there's some people that, that it doesn't work on. Um, for instance, Hans Blix. He was a um, a Swedish diplomat who ran the, uh, the 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 weapons inspection program after my organization uh, went away. The, a new organization came in. Hans Blix was the guy. Um, he was confronted by John Bolton, um, who at the time was a you know in the government of, um, of George W. Bush. Yeah. Um, and apparently, there's he, he made Blix aware of the file that uh, the U.S. government has on Blix, and um, apparently, the file contains allegations or even evidence of indiscretions of some sort. And the uh, and the threat was that we will uh, we will publish this unless you do that which we ask you to do, which we tell you to. Do. And Blix had the um, the courage to say, "Publish it. I'm not." I'm not. Uh, I'm not doing anything. There are people out there who can't be blackmailed because they put, um, they put their honor and integrity out there above all. I mean, you know, there. He who uh, is, you know, is perfect, uh, cast the first stone. But uh, you know, if you live in a glass house, don't start throwing stones. And almost everybody I know lives in a glass house, and um, you know, shouldn't be throwing stones. And. Uh, but it's the rare person who can be confronted with evidence of things that they'd prefer nobody know about and have the courage to say, stick it in your ear. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do, because as imperfect as I am, at least I have honor. At least I have integrity. At least I'll I'll not yield. Um, I give Hans Blix full credit for that. There's others that I know that have been done this. But the U.S. government has a file on everybody, literally everybody. That's their job. And they're facilitated in this. I mean, one of the big crimes of the Five Eyes uh, system. Five Eyes. I think I, I assume that your uh, your listenership knows what Five Eyes is and and all that. But it's an intelligence sharing. Um, you know, forum. Um, uh, Canada, the United States, uh, the United Kingdom, Australia, and New Zealand. Um, basically, the World War II English speaking alliance. Um, share the most sensitive secrets, especially in the uh, signals collection world. But, uh, you know, all five of them are ostensible uh, democracies where they, they claim to protect the rights of their respective citizenry. But Canada's job is not to respect the rights of American citizens, and America's job is not to respect the right of Canadian citizens. So, we spy on Canadians and we pass that information over to them. They spy on us and pass that information exactly. over to our guys. Australia spies on New Zealand. New Zealand spies on Australia. America spies on everybody. And that's what the Five Eyes is. It's it's basically a, a, a forum for intelligence sharing about the frailties of the constituents of five democracies that um, – yeah, you know, and, and the idea is to build files that can be used to control, intimidate, otherwise coerce uh, people to do the bidding of uh, of the government.
0: Yep, 100 percent. You're exactly right. I've been telling people that for ages. Um, the reason I actually mentioned before the World Economic Forum is because Klaus Schwab made it quite clear. And he was quite proud of the fact that they have raised these global young leaders and future leaders and all that. And they have installed them in most Western governments um around the place and they now are controlling a lot of the rollouts that are going on because as you know um uh, prior before about 10 30, about 30 years ago we were going to an ice age then we were going to global warming uh now it's global boiling of course we've gone past that point apparently we're, we're all on fire walking around like toasties um and well maybe that's what happened to obama's chef eh what arose <laughs> took him out who knows uh yeah um but that i find that interesting because the the to me the the five eyes and as you rightfully point out they spy on each other so although it's illegal for them to spy on us they just go to them and say can you give us the information part of the information sharing so they're not actually directly spying they just happen to come across this information that has everything they wanted to start with and that to me is bloody criminal
1: and, of course, our own uh, Prime Minister was in China recently. He uh, flew on one Calvin Kelvin and had another 757 trailing him for spare parts. That's how great our Air Force is.
0: I've got nothing to say to that. All
1: right. Well, moving on. Yes, because, of course, he went to see President Xi and um, the World Economic Forum leader, Klaus Schwab, was also there. Uh, and then from there he went on to Lithuania which was of course a NATO summit for NATO leaders um, and members and of course New Zealand isn't even a NATO member we're just a partner at this point and he did have a meeting scheduled with Zelensky um, who's also actually addressed our parliament via our video link last year but uh, that, that meeting was cancelled because um, Zelensky's meeting with Biden ran over time but they just happened to meet in the corridor you know hugging it out like, like old pals so um, Scott how come New Zealand is even involved in all of this? Why do we seem to be so connected to Zelensky? Have you got any ideas about that?
3: Well, first of all, the United States is looking for um, as many allies as they can get on uh, on on the issue of Ukraine. the 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 goal uh, was to preclude this this five hundred plus day war that's taking place uh, by. Uh, bringing Russia down economically. Uh, I mean, the, the, if you take a look at the beginning of this conflict, there wasn't any talk about providing billions of dollars of equipment, this that, and the other thing. It was about having Ukraine hold on long enough for sanctions to bring down the Russian economy. And so New Zealand is part of you know what we hope to be a global coalition designed to do that. Um, New Zealand is more important to us in terms of uh, China. Um, and the pressure it could put on china and ukraine is a was is a dry run so to speak of uh, what the united states hopes to do with 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 china containment uh, using economic sanctions to um to to uh bring down the chinese uh, economy uh, military confrontation in the south china sea and taiwan um in order to do this the united states needs um allies and uh, we want to bring NATO into the mix. Now, NATO is a North Atlantic Treaty Organization, but uh, we've been trying to get NATO impregnated in the uh, in the Pacific for some time now. And to do that, we need hosts. And uh, New Zealand is uh, is a logical host. Uh, Japan is a host. Uh, Australia yeah. is a host. So uh, we we've been trying to get uh, you know NATO to come to the Pacific. Um, In order to do that, we have to create partnerships, and New Zealand is part of this 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 system of bringing Pacific partners in. I think, uh, in addition to New Zealand, uh, South Korea and Japan were in attendance of uh, at the Vilnius summit as well. Um, So I I think that's the purpose is 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 for New Zealand to be seen as part of the bulwark of um, of uh, alliances that the United States is. relying upon to help uh, backstop its policies uh, in in Ukraine against Russia and then the Pacific against China
0: and for you intelligent individuals who no longer watch mainstream media bonus to you U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was here in New Zealand talking to Manaya Mahuta which is our foreign affairs minister with a gambit of topics up for discussion of course I think one of those would be um, the entrenchment of China here China already has Uh, Lockdown down a lot of the uh, nations in the south pacific through funding through aid through infrastructure through a whole lot of different deals some probably uh tending towards military as well cooperation uh new zealand is no different we know for a fact that they are in all uh, parts of our political infrastructure our academia uh, especially scientific industrial research and the likes so that will be a uh, one to watch and something i think anthony Blinken would no doubt want to address
1: And of course, uh, as you know, we've brought up now the World Economic Forum and the leaders that have been positioned into many governments around the world. um, It was very interesting that you brought up uh, Krista Freeland, the Deputy Prime Minister and the um, Finance Minister over in Canada, because, of course, uh, she has Ukrainian ties. So let's play that clip.
3: Canada is the third country in terms of the number of Ukrainians. There are more Ukrainians than in my homeland. For comparison, Ukrainian diaspora in the United States amounts to around 1 million people, while in Canada, it constitutes 1.3 million people. They represent a significant political force. And, of course, they lobby for the interests of Kiev and the right-wing radicals in the country. What surprised me is that the descendants of some nationalists are shaping Canada's policies today. For example, Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, Christia Freeland. Her <laughs> much-loved grandfather, Mikhailo Komiak, worked as the editor-in-chief of a Nazi newspaper Krakow in Poland, historical figure of the 20th century. That's how this newspaper referred to Adolf Hitler. Its readers were convinced that the population of Galicia was ready to fight and die for a holy and just cause designed by you-know-who. Undoubtedly, children are not responsible for the actions of their parents, but Freeland calls her grandfather not a criminal but a victim. A victim of the Soviet regime, of course. In 2016, Freeland paid tribute to her ancestor on Twitter. It turns out that her grandfather worked diligently to restore freedom and democracy to Ukraine by supporting Hitler and the Holocaust, I suppose. Friedland herself made a contribution to the destruction of the USSR. In the 1980s, she brought anti-Soviet propaganda materials, money, and video and audio recording equipment to Soviet Ukraine for local nationalists. As a result, She was banned from entering the Soviet Union. Today, in Russia, Freeland is also considered non grata. However, in the West, her photo with a flag of the Ukrainian insurgent army, a terrorist organization, does not hinder her political career. It was Freeland, together with former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom Boris Johnson, who convinced Western European countries to quickly supply weapons to Ukraine. In 2022, Canada provided Ukraine with $2 billion in direct financial assistance, an additional $500 million through bonds, and over $2.5 billion for military and humanitarian Aid. Moreover, in Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom and other countries, PLAST, which is an analog of Hitlerjugend, the Hitler Youth, operates freely. A youth organization of Ukrainian nationalists that, during World War II, trained militia for the OUN and SS Volunteer Division Galatia. It was established as early as 1911. Stepan Bandera and Roman Shukovich emerged from PLAST. Among active members of this organization were also Canadian minister Christia Freeland. The fostering of xenophobia and Russophobia continues today. PLAST members were present during the Maidan protests and later participated in the killings of residents in Donbass. In 2019, under pressure from the Ukrainian diaspora, Zelensky became the first president to officially recognize the PLAST movement in Ukraine through legislation. It has now become the primary educational structure for young Ukrainians funded by the state this is just one aspect of zelensky's bloody agreement let's call it task number 8 the legalization of nazism
1: so scott if you could just yet yeah, elaborate a little bit more about that and you know how these ties are you know they're going throughout the western world
3: well i think it's it's important for people to understand that the you know, there, there have been several diasporas, Ukrainian diasporas, uh, Western Ukrainian diasporas um, over time. Uh, the the One of the more critical ones is the one that took place in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War. Um, the CIA and uh, British intelligence uh, were working with a uh, hand in glove with uh, a Nazi intelligence unit to run by um, General Galen uh, that had a relationship with Ukrainian nationalists led by Stepan Bandera and others uh as the soviet army progressed the uh the banderists um there's my version of a uh, storm <laughs> my dog but uh the banderists um uh you know, stayed behind and so the cia used them to carry out a covert war against the soviet union they were defeated in 1953 but not until after almost 48,000 uh Soviet soldiers and and, and security personnel were killed. 100,000 Western Ukrainian uh, Banderas were killed. Hundreds of thousands of civilians were killed. A significant portion, about 150, were imprisoned and sent to the gulag. Another about 100, 150,000 fled and went into diaspora. They were brought into places like the United Kingdom, Germany, the United States, and Canada. And they fell in on existing Ukrainian communities where they got into the business of whitewashing their past and promoting their ideology. Um, these, when, when we say Banderas, people need to understand, we are talking about Nazi ideology. We are talking about white supremacist ideology. Christopher um, Freeland's grandfather was a Nazi propagandist. He ran a newspaper um, in, in occupied Poland uh, that, that promulgated Nazi um, themes. She was raised as a bandera she attended a a camp um in 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 canada that's run by the Banderist organization she was taught from an early age to uh, to to love step on bandera she's basically taught to be a nazi and now she's the uh finance minister and the um deputy prime minister of uh of canada
0: yeah that's that's incredible because see uh, well, what I've been saying over here in New Zealand, New Zealand government has spent 13 million. I mean, that's peanuts compared to what the US has been about sinking. 80 million from well, Ukraine? Um, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, well, there's about 135 billion so far from the US and more. I mean, yeah. they seem to be.
3: Yeah, but we print money. money on-
0: <laughs> exactly. But over here, we're essentially funding Nazism. That's exactly what we're doing. So the Prime Minister, who talks about far-right, white supremacists, neo-Nazis and all that, is doing the classic projection. New Zealand, uh, for for our New Zealand audiences, and Scott can confirm this, we are funding a Nazi organisation to kill people. Let that sink in.
1: And the other thing that uh, would be really good to bring up here, Scott, is the biolabs. Now, this was also just like the fact that, you know, then they were they are actually Nazis over there. That was labeled a conspiracy theorist essentially. They also said that uh, when this information started coming out about the biolabs that that was also a conspiracy theory. So it's really uh, good that you've included that. So let's roll that clip and then come back for comment.
3: The sixth goal Zelensky was tasked with was to turn Ukraine into a testing ground, not only for weapons, but also for experiments on people. In 2005, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, or DTRA, was established in the country. There's a pet project of the U.S. Department of Defense, and one of its tasks is to study biological threats, including deadly viruses and bacteria. Since
4: 2005, the American side has been involved in modifying Ukrainian laboratories, selecting and training personnel, and gradually advancing its interests, goals, and tasks in the research field. They are approaching the old Soviet developments. The collection of pathogens and strains in Ukraine, remaining from the Soviet Union, was estimated at $2 billion. The American side did everything to obtain this collection.
3: After the Maidan, the DTRA expanded its operations in Ukraine with the assistance of Elena Suprun, a U.S. citizen and the daughter of Ukrainian immigrants. In Ukraine, she served as the acting minister of health. Suprun opened the doors of all bio laboratories in the country to Americans and even allowed to establish new ones. From that moment, mass experiments on Ukrainians, both civilians and military personnel, have begun. And in the documents of the DTRA, a new abbreviation appeared: UP which stands for Ukrainian Project.
4: There were genetic samples collected in large quantities from 4,000 servicemen of the Ukrainian army from different regions of the country— north, south, west, east, including Kiev, Odessa, Kharkov, and Lviv with 1,000 individuals in each city participating in this blood donation. This was part of the UP8 project. Officially, it was presented with benevolent intentions, namely, to determine human body resistance to specific pathogens depending on the region of the country.
3: According to some reports, in January 2016, in Kharkiv, approximately 20 Ukrainian soldiers died Within two days from a flu-like virus, another 200 soldiers were hospitalized.
4: The intelligence of the Donetsk People's Republic has previously reported on research activities involving American military specialists. Research took place in a closed laboratory located in the village of Shelkostancia. It is situated 30 kilometers from the city of Kharkiv. According to our information, The leakage of the California strain of deadly influenza occurred precisely from there.
3: From this day onwards, Ukraine turned into a petri dish. Outbreaks of cholera, hepatitis, and botulism were recorded here. But what wouldn't you do for the sake of science, especially in a foreign country? Therefore, in 2020, DTRA spent another $80 million on research in Ukraine.
4: There wouldn't be an order from the U.S. Secretary of Defense to carry out work on the development of genetically-targeted biological weapons on Ukrainian territory. However, it was possible that they would write an order for research to be conducted on combating certain diseases, like tularemia, more effectively. That's what they would write. And this is what can be found in official documents.
3: The Pentagon's plans were disrupted by Russia's special operation. Now, the Russians could gain access to documents and biomaterials.
1: So, Scott, um, if you could just explain a bit more about what was happening in these biolabs, because it was then even brought up in the Senate last year because they had to basically admit that it was going on. Uh, This is biological warfare, isn't it?
3: Well, it could be. I mean, again... um... I, as a former weapons inspector myself, I, I'd like totality of facts to be available, put them in proper context before damning conclusions are reached. But if it looks like a duck, it talks like it, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck. Sometimes it's a duck. And <laughs> when we take a look at these uh, these facilities, um, you know, first of all, they 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 have as their their genesis. Um, former Soviet bioweapons lab. So these are labs that were involved in biological weapons work. Uh, the idea of this defense um, uh, program that the United States is funding is to take control of these labs and ensure that they don't uh, continue to produce these biological pathogens. One of the problems with that is on the eve of the war, the head of the program said he's concerned about Russia bombing these facilities, because the the, um, the 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 refrigeration units might lose power, might get cracked open, and then he said that uh, some of the pathogens that these scientists used to work on back when they were Soviet scientists might be released. And I'm sitting there going, "Wait a minute! That means the United States has violated the Biological uh, Toxin and Weapons Convention because uh, we can't." retain biological agent. And yet what he's acknowledging is that in labs that the United States controls, there are retained agent that are under our control. That's a violation. We haven't even gotten into the research that was done there. Um, You know, the thing about the United States is that when we, when we, we ride on this high horse and I saw this in Iraq as well. Um, We, we tell the Iraqis, you can't have, uh, for instance, if you went to an Iraqi police station, uh, they would have a forensic laboratory, standard forensic. So they 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 have to be able to do uh, testing on biology, uh, biology, on chemistry, etc. We called these uh, laboratories, and we said that if all the forensic laboratories got together, that that could create a a, a biological weapons program, um, but. It was a lie. Meanwhile, we, on the other hand, say, no, no, we have only defensive biological weapons program. But what is a defensive biological weapons program? It means we're producing biological agent <laughs> and then using that agent to test defense capabilities. But and everybody go, goes straight to the testing saying, see, we're just testing defensively. I'm so, I, and I always go back to, yes, but you produced active biological agent. That's a violation of the biological weapons talks. So now we come to Ukraine where everybody says, yes, now we we had these programs, but they were purely for defensive purposes, purely for uh, normal biological research related to pathogens. But when you dig into some of the things that they were doing, it doesn't sound like normal activity. It sounds like the United States yeah. was once again stretching the imagination. We won't know the truth of this until the United States Congress carries out the appropriate investigation and unfortunately, the Congress doesn't seem to be inclined to do this. So we're now reliant upon the Russian government to release evidence derived from the documents that it has seized. And of course, as you, you indicated, we run into the, uh, the issue where if you dare discuss these documents, which are documents, actual documents, you're accused of disinformation or misinformation. Um, but if you if you promulgate the lie that there's nothing going on, then you're you're telling the truth
0: actually you're right you're not alone the us isn't alone in the um contravention of all sorts of chemical weapons treaties we here in new zealand have violated plenty ourselves case in point vietnam we were the ones who sent over the precursors to be mixed over there for agent orange that decided to poison everyone and, and create a legacy of deformities and all that sort of stuff and as usual the people like the soldiers who are over there exposed to it and the people on the ground they are Uh, stonewalled until the last ones uh, are ready to die and then maybe they give them an apology Um, and the same thing's happening with all of this whether it's depleted uranium in afghanistan all over the world they just drop crap everywhere and people are the experimental lab rats and new zealand of course is, is is no different from that we've had Um, we've got chemicals dropping on our head every day. They called that a a, um, conspiracy as well with the chemtrails. But no, turns out it's fact because we've seen all the paperwork now. Um, So that's very interesting. So you're dead right. And and I have to do a bit of a funny here when you talked about, you know, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. Well, if it twitches like a crackhead, acts like a crackhead, (laughs) and uh, talks like a crackhead, chances are it's the former New Zealand Prime Minister. Okay, we've got... uh, a BlackRock clip that we want to play now. Um, of course, Jacinda Ardern visited the BlackRock um, um, call of the Palace to obviously take instructions about what they were going to do here in New Zealand. And BlackRock, of course, pretty much owns half the world, if if, if not uh, has shares in the majority of it. Um, so we'll watch that and we'll get your comment when we come back.
3: I would say that Ukraine remains a very successful project for the United States. These are not just agricultural corporations that are making money in 2022 the investment firm BlackRock offered to help Ukraine rebuild its economy. Of course, this refers to the future prospect.
4: The BlackRock company has the greatest global influence in society, as it controls almost all banks. It's impossible to even imagine the extent of their assets and the influence they have, both on German and Ukrainian politics.
3: In May 2023, Zelensky signed an agreement with BlackRock. Last September, the cost of reconstruction and economic recovery of the country was estimated at nearly $350 billion. However, later, Kiev increased the expenses to $1 trillion. After Zelensky's agreement with BlackRock, people started writing on Twitter that Ukraine was becoming privatized and sold to funds. And you know, it seems to be true.
4: Blackrock doesn't invest in recovery, instead it builds dependencies and spheres of influence through reconstruction. Politics, army and economy form a three-headed dragon currently running the world.
0: So Scott, Blackrock, force for good or force for bad?
3: Um, Force for bad. That too much power, too much money, too much influence. No, no checks and balances. Uh, pure greed driven. Uh, they, they, they aren't working for the benefit of humanity. Uh, they're working for the benefit of shareholders. Of, uh, of, of, you know, it, it's it's about money and power. Money and power. That's it, that plain and simple. So when Blackwater or BlackRock comes into and uh, in Ukraine starts buying up, buying up the Black Earth, start buying up Ukrainian. Uh, know uh, agriculture they're they're not doing it because they want to feed the world they're not doing it because they are um you know concerned about um you know ukrainian um economic health they're they're doing it because they're trying to control the world they're doing it because they're taking control of an important commodity and means of production um and I, i just wish that um you know Zelensky had more um Testicular fortitude, I guess we can say, uh, you know, a man that uh, would look out for the welfare of his own people instead of selling their future down the road. The only good news about the the BlackRock involvement in Ukraine is that um, when Russia wins the war and they will win this war, um, yeah. Yeah, right. I, I can guarantee that Russia is not going to honor any Black <laughs> BlackRock contracts. So um, BlackRock may have put some uh, money in the Ukraine that's never going to get out. Yeah, I agree.
1: I just want to say I really enjoyed uh, your two-part documentary series, Scott, um, Agent Zelensky. Everybody should go and watch it. Now, I do have one more question for you before we wrap up. At the end of part two, you said something very interesting. You left you left a, a question for everyone, and um, I just want to read that out and ask you what you meant by that. So you wrote, will those in power still need someone who knows too much and wants too much? Now, what exactly did you mean by that?
3: Well, again, it comes down to, you know, the whole concept of Agent Zelensky. Um, You know, the United States, Great Britain, um, you know, we have a rules-based international order that we're trying to uh, keep in place. Uh, It's rules that we wrote about how we're going to govern the world. Um, In order to do this, we have to have people um, that are in power Who are responsive to us that we control and that's what i meant i'm alluding to the reality that you know we 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 take a look at what's happening in the world today and we assume that there are sovereign states with uh sovereign leaders and stuff and the the fact of the matter is um you can't be a sovereign state if your leader is controlled by an outside party and uh in the case of ukraine uh, british intelligence and the cia control uh, Agent Zelensky, and um, and therefore we control uh, Ukraine. And but that's the same thing anywhere in the world. I think we have to assume that the CIA and British intelligence, uh, as we talked about earlier, they maintain maintain files on everybody. Yeah. Uh, and the purpose of maintaining these files is so that they can control these people, get them to do their bidding. And that's what I meant by that. Sentence.
0: And like they did in Iraq, uh, and like they did in um, Libya with Gaddafi. Of course, Iraq with. Um, Saddam, Saddam, oh, yeah. very rarely do I ever have a blank. Thanks for filling me in there. Um I know, it's okay. <laughs> they 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 use them to a certain point, then they dump on them. They have no further value, so they will just knock them off. Just like Qaddafi was actually doing good, yeah,
3: yeah. Or or they or they couldn't control. They never controlled them. I mean, yeah. in the case of Saddam, I mean, there's a lot of you know rumors about you know him being a CIA asset. No, I don't think so. I think Saddam was an Iraqi leader, imperfect. I'm not going to sit here and sing his praises as a Jeffersonian democracy personified in the Middle East. But he was an Iraqi leader uh, doing what was in the best interest of the Iraq that he envisioned. Um, we couldn't control him. Uh, we, 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 we tried to control him, but we couldn't. We tried, you know, we, we leveraged uh, our support to, to, to Iraq in, the, uh, in their war against Iran to get Iraq deeply in debt. And uh, that was supposed to be our mechanism of control. That, you know, we would control oil prices and everything to get Saddam to do our bidding so that, you know, he would not be a threat to Israel, et cetera. And Saddam said pound sand. Um, so we ended up going to war, killing millions of people because we couldn't control Saddam. Gaddafi looked out for the interests of the Libyan people. The Libyan nation uh, re- was rejecting the euro, uh, was going for a new gold standard Going to be backed by the wealth of libya this would have been revolutionary in the international uh finance world france uh, had to had to make him go away so next thing you know nato's intervening etc uh and, and these are lessons that are also put out there i mean fortunately for bashar al-assad in syria uh, russia was able to to, to intervene and, and save him or else that was his fate too a leader who refused mm-hmm. to be controlled bought, paid for by the west it's interesting now that the uh, Mohammed bin Sultan, uh, Salman in, um, in in Saudi Arabia, MBS, uh, the crown prince, uh, he's declaring independence. You know, he was somebody that, you know, like every Saudi leader before them, we had bought, we controlled, et cetera. He's now declared independence. How much longer is he for this world? Um, anybody who declares independence. If you ever elect a, a New Zealand politician who decides that New Zealand is going to run an independent, sovereign course of action, I will bet you um good money that that person will not be in power very long. There will be a scandal. There will be something that happens that uh, causes this person's political career to end because the United States can't afford to have sovereign nations out there. We need nations that work for us.
0: So here's a newsflash for the uh, United States. We'll call them the intelligence apparatus there because I know there's some damn good um, people in, in America. Um, we are going to have an election in a couple of months. We are going to, to elect people who are New Zealand loyal, loyal to us, not, not to the globalists. And um, because a few of us know where all the bodies are buried here, we will sweep you before you get a foothold to cause your little Marxist socialist trouble. Because that's what's happening here, Scott. There's a Marxist socialist takeover and infiltration and it's getting worse.
1: Uh, Scott, the time has gone uh, so fast, and we thank you so much for your uh, patience here. We would love to have you on again in the future. I mean, we haven't even touched the surface. I think this is a great introduction for Kiwis who have got the mainstream. Now they can get the real story with your film. Um, And, you know, we'd love to talk to you in the future about how you see this whole thing unfolding and and if it's going to end. So thank you so much for your time. But before you
0: take off, we need to know where people can follow you, all your social media handles, where they can get you. Obviously not on YouTube now, but um, <laughs> but every other handle, because believe me, I think it's you're required watching and following.
3: Well, I appreciate that. Um, first of all, I'll just say that, uh, yes, we will definitely reschedule a, a, a follow-on uh, discussion like this. Um, uh, people can follow me uh, at scottridderextra.com. That's a one-stop shop uh, website if you go there. You can have access to my sub stack, any YouTube videos that are still up on uh, YouTube, uh, anything I put out interviews, you'll send me a link to this. I'll put that on there. It's not behind a paywall, so it's available to everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Real Scott Ritter. Uh, you can follow me on Telegram at um, Scott Ritter. Uh, and. That's that's about it. But the best place to go would be um would be That that where that's that's where you can go to read all the articles I write. Any interviews I do will be will be on that location.
0: Brilliant. Honor um, having you on. Awesome. And we look forward to seeing you again soon.
1: Thanks so much. All right, thank you. Thank you. So again, make sure you check out Agent Zelinski. It is available on Rumble now because obviously, as we said, it's been taken off YouTube. Um and finally, I just want to say a massive thank you to all of you who have written in, um, sent cards, sent gifts, um, you know, toys, clothes, you've even been knitting. Um you terrible terrorists, you uh for Storm. It's just been so heartwarming and I really think he is the most spoilt little baby in the country, and he's just a dream. Uh, we've been doing this thing called elimination communication. Look it up if you don't know about it. Yes, so actually... you
0: people who uh, doubted her, he is potty trained.
1: Yeah, so that's what it is. It's, it's infant potty training, and he's essentially out of nappies, and um, he can you know, have a dry night without a nappy on. So um, it's a lot of hard work, but I highly recommend it. It's great for bonding and, of course, saving the planet with not so many nappies and also um, just, in a green way. just, you know, kids being a bit more independent. So that's the latest with him. He's going to be four months, uh, like I said, I think, at the beginning. And he's just such a delightful little baby. And
0: as ever, if you uh, believe in what we're doing and you want to contribute, please do so at com. Hit the donate button and give what you can. Never leave yourself short. Uh, we've had a lot of promises of big money to keep us on, keep us on air and going. You know, central service to try and ramp it up and be on air with you people five days a week to inform you and counter the narrative. But unfortunately, that's just turned out to be a whole lot of wishful thinking. But
1: we're all a we're team. Still going. and we we're need we need you guys uh, as much as you guys need us. I think so. Without you guys, you know, this war effort is nothing. And we thank all of you who to date have um gotten behind this whole thing that we're trying to do to save this country. But on the
0: bright side, we are going to win. This war is pretty much over. We're just going to wait for the last dominoes to fall. So don't worry. We ain't done yet. They are done.
5: I look forward to seeing you next
1: time.
0: See you then.
5: Slow recovery. Virus infections, injections, connections can all leave a toxic residue. Spike proteins are the hooks on the outside of the virus that attach to your cells. Spike proteins fit like a key into these ACE receptors. Unlocking cellular walls. Spike proteins are still found in the body months after an exposure, leaking from the intestine into the bloodstream, hitting ACE receptors, which can disrupt normal blood and heart processes, meaning slower recovery for people who can't break them down. Spike Detox is a formula to support your body in normal functions, including detox, after exposure to glycoproteins, inspired by four everyday plant medicines. Two plants that support cells, two plants that support detox. Cell support. Supercomputers predicted black seed and quercetin have molecules that fit the ACE receptor to protect it, supporting normal heart and blood, and normal cell walls. Detox support. Spikes are glycoprotein, some people can break down glycoprotein quickly, others benefit from extra support. Pineapple's bromelain enzymes break down glycoproteins, like when pineapple juice tenderizes steak. Bromelain dissolves glycoproteins, supporting natural detoxification for people who need it. Acetylcysteine is a stable form of amino acid cysteine inspired by similar compounds in garlic, an antioxidant powerhouse shown, to increase bromelain's ability to dissolve spikes. Spike Detox supports normal heart and blood, supports normal cell walls, supports natural detoxification, because not everyone is bouncing back quickly. Spike Detox is available from extralife.co.nz Enter promo code CSM at checkout for $10 off your order, and Extra Life will make a special donation to Counterspin. Extra Life, for maximum longevity. This product is a dietary supplement. It cannot diagnose, treat or cure any disease. These herbal extracts and nutrients support your body and its natural processes to maintain a state of wellness. If you are experiencing illness or disease, please consult a health professional. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at Counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the Infowars Network, at BAM.video.